2: This is the Grey Bar Sports on a Sunday morning. Goldsmith swings and he hits a drive. He hits a slammer. Grey Bar, your distributor for electrical and datacom needs. Villican win! Billiken's win! Now from the Stiefel Financial Sports Studio, Tom Ackerman.
3: And welcome back. Sports on a Sunday morning coming to you from inside Cardinals Nation Restaurant, Ballpark Village. Beautiful day for baseball. Cardinals fans are down here. They're drinking beer. They're eating breakfast and brunch and lunch, and they're having fun, getting ready to go into the ballpark for a game against the Blue Jays today at 1.15. Yes, they're already down here two hours early doing some pre-gaming as they get ready for this ball game today, it's exciting. I heard uh, Scott Jago just talk about the women's team, the Division Three national champion basketball team at Transylvania, and congratulations to them. Uh, speaking of college basketball, this is a great story. Gene Bess, the former coach of the men's basketball team at Three Rivers Community College in Poplar Bluff, Missouri, hired there in 1971. 1,300 wins, a 757 winning percentage, the all-time winningest coach in college basketball history, two national junior college titles, first coach to reach 1,000 wins, first coach to reach 1,200 wins is a Basketball Hall of Famer. The Naismith Basketball Hall of Fame announced yesterday the Gene Bess will go into the hall, and congratulations to him and everyone connected to him down in Poplar Bluff, including SLU women's basketball player Kylie Bess, his granddaughter, Jean Bess. That is fantastic. What a great, great story that is as part of the Hall of Fame class of 2023 here at bush stadium the cardinals got after it yesterday jack flaherty had trouble finding the strike zone he walked seven but he was able to right the ship and post zeros and in the bottom of the third this happened with a run already in on an error by third baseman matt chapman here's nolan gorman
1: swinging a ground ball left side it's inside the bag
4: and down the left field line and that's going to score two arenado scores and it's three nothing
1: cardinals
3: Cards feast on that opportunity. Ricky Horton with the call. Cards up 3-0 after three, and then the top of the fourth. How about this, Jim?
1: Payoff pitch coming up. The runner not moving. The 3-2 pitch is hit into shallow right field, and backing up is the second baseman, Donovan, and he makes the catch. Over his shoulder.
3: Incredible catch by Brendan Donovan. The Gold Glove utility man. Cardinals holding that 3-0 lead. It was 3-1 in the eighth inning. And Jordan Walker trying to make something happen.
4: Here's a shot up the middle. Knocked down by Benjel. The second baseman picks it up. Throws. Safe at first. The ball got away from Guerrero. He dropped it. The run scores, Arnato crosses the plate, 4 to 1 Cardinals.
3: Couple of hits on the day for Walker. I think his speed really speeds you up and makes you do some things that you don't want to do and Uh, That drop ball right there, run scores, two hits for Walker. He gets an RBI. Cardinals with a 4-1 lead. Now, they had their adventures pitching-wise. We mentioned the seven walks by Jack Flaherty. He also hit a batter. We mentioned earlier the three walks by Jordan Hicks, and he threw a wild pitch. But the Cardinals still have a three-run lead. They hand it over to Ryan Hulsley. He gets two outs
4: in the eighth. He works the ninth. On two and two to Vlad Guerrero. A swing and a miss. He's out on strikes. And the Blue Jays are down to their last out. Elsley one out away from setting up a rubber game in the three game series at one tomorrow. That's a
3: good hitter he just got there in Vlad Guerrero and then this call. Now
4: the fans stand at Bush Stadium with the Blue Jays down to their last out. Here's a swing and it's popped up on the infield. Shading his eyes. Arnado calling. He makes the catch for a Redbird winner. And the Cardinals are in the win column in 2023.
3: John Rooney with a great call there. And the Cardinals win the ball game. 4-1 over the Blue Jays to even the series at a game apiece. Rubber game is today. 1-15 here at the ballpark with Jordan Montgomery making the start against a good one on the other side again. Chris Bassett. I think this Cardinals-Blue Jays Series, I think they're very close to each other. I think they're similar teams. Bassett and this Blue Jays lineup with Springer and Guerrero and Chapman and Merrill field among others, they can play, and it'll be interesting to see how this one turns out today. The Cardinals lineup Donovan, Burleson, Goldschmidt, Arenado, Contreras, Gorman. Yes, Contreras is back in playing catcher. Walker, Carlson, and Edmund. Ollie Marmel, who was on with us last hour, has the lineup in the outfield, a line like this. Burleson in left, Carlson in center, Walker in right, and we'll see how the Cardinals perform today on a beautiful day downtown. It's starting to warm up and warm up considerably. It's already up to 56. When we started today, it was 36. Now it's sunny in 56, and we're supposed to get up to Oh, somewhere around 68 degrees. That'll happen probably later this afternoon towards the back end of this ball game with some windy conditions expected as we move along here today. We have also... Another partner here on KMOX, and that would be St. Louis City SC. They took their first L of the season. We'll talk to Lutz Fannenstiel, their sporting director, next on the show. At 11.30, we'll go back to baseball with John Moselock, the Cardinals president of baseball operations. And at 11.45, we'll take another look at the Blues and the Battlehawks as we get you ready for Cardinal baseball today at 12.20 pregame. Back with Lutz right after these words.
2: Welcome back to the Graybar Sports on a Sunday morning. Smith swings and he hits a drive. He hits a slammer. Graybar, your distributor for electrical and datacom needs. Millikens win! Millikens win! Once again, from the Stiefel Financial Sports Studio, Tom Ackerman. Now, Y98 presents 90 in 60. A look back at St. Louis City's match against Minnesota United.
4: Finder wins, he crosses. In the air, Lumen. the bar. Moving to Oztrak. Oh, oh a shot. It's just wide. Oh, boy. Mongo on a run down the middle. Finds a friend. It's tapped by Berkey. It hits on the post. Oh, wow. Garcia banged it off the middle. And the second chance. Roman Berkey, the Maserati in the nothing-nothing game. 78th minute. Facing a penalty shot by Amarillo. He fires, and he buried it. Final score, one nothing. Minnesota hands St. Louis City. His first loss in regular season franchise history. This has
2: been 90 and 60. St. Louis City heads to Seattle this coming Saturday to take on the Sounders. Pre-game at 9. Kick at 9.30 on Y98 St. Louis.
3: Well, I don't think anybody thought they were going to win all of them, but what a ride it was at 5-0. The City team drops one yesterday one nothing to Minnesota. The highlights right there. We bring in Sporting Director Lutz, Fan & Steel. Sports on a Sunday morning with Tom Ackerman. Lutz, good morning and a happy Sunday to you. I know that it was a loss, but what a run your team has been on.
5: Yeah, happy Sunday as well. You know, definitely a, a great start uh, into the season. Nobody expected uh, five wins out of the first six games. A uh, little bit unfortunate yesterday because... Uh, I think uh, Minnesota is normally a team which, um, I would call it, they're beatable, but the way they played yesterday, and lots of credit to them and also to Adrian Heath, they played tactically a very smart game. They did frustrate us. They, they made it very difficult. And it was quite typical that uh, I think we were the better team or the more active team in the first half. We created some good chances, couldn't score and then. Somehow you could get that feeling that in the second half they they came out with a lot of energy. They came out, I will call it, they were really fired up. They were, um, yeah, nice and gritty. And uh, somehow uh, looking at the second half, they, you know, they, they deserved the result here. And that it was a penalty, which was... A little bit questionable it was a bit of a shame, but in the end of the day, let's like, look at the positives uh, um, from the first six games and, and look forward. It's all about the reaction now. It's all about a bounce back, and uh, you know uh, every 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 series comes to an end.
3: Yeah, that's very well said. It's a great summary of it. And when it comes to that call and the goal in the 78th minute that led to Minnesota's win. You do, you and Bradley Carnell have to be a little careful how you handle that, don't you? I mean, uh, are there rules in place that, that you can't go too far in criticizing officials and let them handle it? How, how does that work?
5: You know, at the end of the day, uh, it's always about, uh, you know, it's up to us. You think it's the easy way out. You say uh, it, it, that was the official's fault or this is the official's fault. Uh, There's always a decision to make, and everybody makes mistakes. Every human being makes a mistake, and... I don't. I don't even want to say that the official made any mistakes yesterday. It was two fifty-fifty decisions. Um, uh, I believe that our penalty, the one we gave away, it was our own fault. Uh, you know, we we could have defended that better from the start of the action. We could have we could have also handled the situation in the box different. So it's not. It's not. It would be very, very wrong to to blame the referee for that. And on the other end, when Klaus got kicked on the chin, uh, that's another situation where. You know, maybe he could have given the penalty, but, well, he didn't. And we had enough chances, Tom, in the first half to score a goal. We had enough moments also to defend that goal we gave away better. So why blame the referee? Uh, It's not the right thing to do. Let's look at ourselves, what we can do better. Let's analyze it, and then we try to do it better next week, and we leave the referee alone.
3: (laughs) Yeah, what what can you learn from a game like this, Lutz, uh, from your first loss of the season?
5: You know, I think um, we played yesterday against a team which was different from all the other teams we played before. They came in with a very good match plan. They came. We knew that they will be they will be difficult to play. That's how they are. They they defend well. They they make it very tight. They don't give many chances. The way they try to catch you on the counter And to be fair, I give them even more credit, Tom, uh, how they did it yesterday because they had a rough week. They trained indoors. They had lots of internationals coming back very late uh, uh, from the from the camps. They had lost one of the top players out sick. So the way they came and they presented themselves uh, just underlined the good start Minnesota have. I mean they they know they are unbeaten so far. And yesterday the way they played we saw that. However, um, we we had enough in the tank yesterday to to, to walk away as a result and. You know, I would have been happy with the draw. The way things last went in the end, we had in the 95th minute a massive chance by Sam ran uh, and it just went over the top. So, there would have been obviously a, a perfect reaction after that going one little down and scoring a, a late equalizer that makes you actually feel like a winner, even though you only draw the game. But it it was not meant to be yesterday. As I said, you know, it's no, no, way. let's not complain about this or so let's not complain about that. Let's also not find any excuses. Let's just look at what we can do better and focus on next week. And, hey, we have next week the biggest game so far in the history of the club. We are still number one in the league and we travel to number two in the league. I mean, come on, that's, that's great. Who would have expected that on match day seven to come? So, uh, like, like, you know, alone that must be enough motivation for everybody involved to, to really burn to go to Seattle and try to annoy and tickle a little bit the big favorite because we, as an expansion team, as the young kids or the new kids on the block going to Seattle, the current Champions League winner in the CONCACAF region, I mean, there is only one favorite. But as you know from the past, we like to shock and annoy favorites, and that's how we want to go to Seattle and measure ourselves with the big boys. I love
3: it. Uh, You'll be taking on Seattle on Saturday, this coming Saturday, the 8th, before returning home to play Cincinnati on the 15th. Before we go, I wanted to have you comment on two of your leaders, Roman Berkey, who had back-to-back clean sheets, and aside from a penalty kick, he was tremendous, uh, and he was tremendous just overall yesterday, wasn't he? And then Tim Parker, what a player he is. He had one of his best games.
5: Yeah, you know with Roman, and I like to repeat that. You know, for me, there is no doubt that he's the best keeper in the league. He didn't get that much to do yesterday on the line with saves, but looking the way he he pushes the team, how good he was at the aerial game, and how involved he is with his feet, how what what a great football player he is, uh, technically as well. You know that gives you and that extra edge. I would say Tim Parker. You know, we all know like he's a natural born leader. He, he's loud. He's strong. He's vocal. He actually is a very important factor for us because he's the one who knows the league the best. You know, he has that very, very important MLS experience. But also, not forget yesterday that Klaus, without actually scoring a goal yesterday, had a tremendous game. His hold up play was outstanding. He was involved in every dangerous situation. And he didn't get that many balls, but he still looked always dangerous. So, Overall, you know, it was not it's a loss under a dotted line, but we didn't have a a, a bad a bad performance, as well we had a good first half. We didn't have a great second half and let's look forward.
3: I think it's well said and I always appreciate you joining us here on KMOX as you get back to work at City Park and then travel to Seattle for a game on Saturday night, which we will have right here on Y98FM, as we did last night. Lutz, thanks, as always, for being with us, and hello from down the street at Bush Stadium as we get ready for the Cardinals and the Blue Jays here. Good luck for the game, and we talk next week. Thank you, sir. Lutz Vandensteel, Sporting Director for St. Louis City SC. Great to hear from him always. City loses it one nothing. packed house, great crowd they know what they're doing. They are all over it. You can just see the and hear the crowd really embrace this team, but also this game. And we know we have a lot of soccer fans in this city that understand the game, but what you're understanding now and seeing is the casual sports fan is starting to understand the rules and starting to adopt this team and understand situations. And it's just a matter of time before – uh, it's already happened, but it's a matter of time before that becomes one of the great places to view a Major League Soccer game. And the word, it will get out, and every team will be talking about it eventually. Look, they weren't going to go 34-0, uh, so they're 5-1, and one, and another game, as Lutz said, against the number two team in the league, Seattle, as St. Louis remains number one. Top of the table with 15 points and a 5-1 record. The Cardinals are 1-1. One one. They take on the Blue Jays this afternoon. We go back to baseball with Cardinals president of baseball operations, John Mozeliak. He joins us next. Tom Ackerman from Cardinals Nation inside Ballpark Village. Bar sports on a Sunday morning, back after this.
2: Welcome back to the Bar Sports on a Sunday morning. Goldspin swings and he hits a drive.
0: How powerful is Cox Internet?
2: He hits a gray Graybar, your distributor for electrical and data needs. Millikens win! Millikens win! Once again, from the Steefel Financial Sports Studio, Tom Ackerman.
3: And today, coming to you from Cardinals Nation inside Ballpark Village, looking in at Bush Stadium. The fans are down here, I can tell you that. This place is packed here and inside Bally Sports Midwest Live. It's always an event down here when the Cardinals host a game. And joining us is the president of baseball operations, John Mozeliak, who's right in the middle of it as well. Good morning, Mo.
6: Good morning, Tommy. Uh,
3: how are things? Uh, let me start from the beginning. Uh, opening day, you were so kind to come over and join us for kegs and eggs and then make your way onto the field for that opening day ceremony. How was that from your perspective?
6: Oh, it was amazing as always. I mean, I think, like, First off, we were blessed with just great weather. Um, obviously, the outcome of the game we would have preferred differently, but I think just from a you know excitement standpoint, and and I think all the people here for the Cardinals, you know, they put on a great show and one that I think uh, our fans really have great appreciation for. So I'm like them; I appreciate uh, how we do Opening Day. I definitely feel it's unique and it's special, and. Um, this past one was no different.
3: I did not know that Adam was going to do that, and I thought that was such a great... I mean, I thought when he was injured that he would find some way to soak in opening day because that's just who he is. I did not know it was going to go to that level. That was really something.
6: Yeah, we were... uh, A few of us were sworn to secrecy on that one, and um, yeah, it was... First off, it was incredible. He was so good and then uh, to have a player be able to do that is, is special but I think any of us who've, who've known Adam for as long as we have I mean there's there's pretty much nothing I would bet against him and um, you know singing is no different I mean the guy is just insane talent and um, for him to be able to pull that off I, I think uh, for everybody that got to witness that that was something certainly special and and something no one will ever forget.
3: Yeah, it was really great. He was out there at City Park last night at the coin toss in the middle of the field. I mean, he is he is really something. We're lucky to have him. How is he doing? I, I understand that he played catch on flat ground yesterday. That's a good step, really, because I think he was initially going to be throwing from his knees just to take a little bit of pressure off that groin, and now he uh, works his way back into a program.
6: Well, I think I think the good news is, you know, arm is fine. So now it's just a matter of keeping that fresh. So when he does get cleared to, to put more stress in the groin area, then um, his arm won't have to catch up or, or be behind. And so ultimately, uh, you know, I think he's, he's progressing where we hoped and probably should have a better feel for exactly what this looks like here in the next week or so.
3: Gallegos is dealing with some soreness, tightness, I understand. And then of course you have Wilking Rodriguez, already placed on the IL. How are those two?
6: Well, I'm, I'm, I'm hopeful Gio's available today. Um, you know, spoke briefly with the, the training staff this morning when I came in. They were still running him through some tests, so uh, probably get a little bit more information here before the start of the game. But, you know, ultimately um, it, it's tough, right, to start a season, but you had one off day when you know you, you don't have your all 13 available. Or, or maybe the easier way to say it is, is eight in your bullpen. So, obviously, um, um, using Helsley in, in multi, multiple innings yesterday, it's going to be probably very difficult to use him today. So, hopefully, Gio can be available, and um, you know hopefully we, we have the lead and, and, and need to sort of uh, navigate that.
3: You have Jordan Montgomery going today. Meanwhile, Matthew Libertor, he goes down. Just Memphis in general, they put out that – Batting order before their first game, and and I think a lot of people said, "Whoa!" Now, those of us who watched spring training knew that because of that camp of opportunity, you had a lot of players playing against major league talent. That's a good looking lineup. And then Libertor just came out and dealt, didn't he? A good outing for him, wouldn't you say?
6: Yeah, that was great to see. Um, obviously, he's somebody that you know we still have a, a lot of faith in, and believe he's someone that that's going to contribute in a big way. So. I think that the, the, the most important thing for him was to get off to a good start. He's someone that historically is, is taking a little time to really get going. And to, to see him at, you know, 95 to 98 missing bats was, uh, you know, very encouraging.
3: So when people start talking about depth in this rotation, don't forget about the name Matthew Libertor. I'm not sure anybody has, but just in case. Remember what he's been doing, at least so far. Going back to yesterday, as we uh, recapped, that first game was wild. I mean, 10-9, back and forth. Uh, 4-1 yesterday was kind of an interesting, different sort of game, too. I mean, Jack Flaherty walks seven but allows no hits. Uh, and the Cardinals, no hit uh, through a good portion of that game. Just how did you see that one?
6: Well, I think you can look at it a couple ways, right? Uh, I think the, the... – positive approach would be that that you know we were able to to avoid uh, um the big inning in terms of of when you're giving free passes usually they come back to haunt you and in this particular case they didn't i think you know maybe the negative takeaway on that is is the, the when you think about jack i think his stuff's good enough where he should be more in the zone and trust it and you know, when you do that, I think um, then you can help manage your pitch count and find yourself going deeper into a game. So, you know, I think yesterday was almost a little bit of a tale of two cities, and the good news is we didn't get burnt on it, and and I think, you know, he probably gained a lot of confidence from being able to successfully navigate that, so, you know, I think that next outing will be really encouraging to see what he looks like, but you know, certainly a competitive game, and, and as you pointed out, I mean, these two games couldn't have been more different, right? There were Um, a bunch of hits on on Friday and, and, you know, much stingier yesterday.
3: Jordan Walker, that young man is really something. He steps up there, knocks one up the middle for his first hit. And then yesterday he gets two hits. And part of the reason is the guy can move. I mean, he gets down that line quickly and drives in a run. What a start for Jordan Walker, Mo.
6: Yeah, it's impressive. But, but, you know, I think the one thing that, that he can do is he hits the ball hard. And, you know, it'll be interesting to see as he adapts to, to maybe finding a little bit more lift in that swing, what that ultimately looks like. But, um, you know, that skill set is special. And, you know, he really is a complete player. He has arm strength. He can run. He can play defense. And he's going to have uh, the ability to put the ball in play, but also have power. So I think everybody that, that's getting a sneak peek at him is understanding why we were so excited about him coming into this offseason.
3: Ali Marmol told us that Lars Newtbar was going to test out that thumb and see if he can get that better, take some swings maybe even, who knows. Um, but uh, once he figures that out, you'll have your outfield mix all together. you got five of them. I wanted to ask you specifically about your center fielder, Dylan Carlson, and your thoughts on him heading into this game.
6: Well, I, I, I think it's, it's good that he's getting an opportunity to play. I mean, we're trying to, to figure out a, a the right balance in terms of how to get everybody at bats, how to keep people fresh. But, you know, when you have that emergence of, of Walker, he's, he's definitely put um, maybe a, 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 a stranglehold, if you will, on, on some of that playing time. And, and so, you know, Ollie and, and his staff are going to try to do their very best to, to find that balance and make sure everybody can stay fresh. And so Carlson gets that opportunity today. Uh, very hopeful that Lars can be back in, in the lineup tomorrow.
3: Mo, uh, before we let you go, from an operations standpoint, how did the first two games go at Bush Stadium with the pitch timer? Does everybody like how that's set up? And, I mean, we we had a long game (laughs) for the first game, and we had a lot of walks, et cetera, for the second game. But, overall, are are the feelings still good as we had in spring training that this is going to move
6: things along? Yeah, I think so. I I mean, that Thursday game was kind of funny, right? Not funny, but, like – it was three hours and, what, 28 minutes or 38, but it, it felt like four days because, you know, for all of us that were down in spring training, I mean, we were basically playing in two and a half hours every time. And then, you know, yesterday was, uh, even though a lot of free passes, the game still had some pace to it, and, you know, net-net it was two and a half. So, you know, hopefully, and based on what's happening around the league, I, I think uh, – the feedback I'm getting is, is, you know, everybody's pretty encouraged about how this looks and how it's working, and, and so, you know, I hope from a fan standpoint, people are are, are in favor of it. And uh, you know, what I heard yesterday was, you know, people like that. You know, it, it's working. So, you know, you're seeing more people try to steal bases. You're seeing more aggressiveness on the base pass, and you know, ultimately, uh, I think the pace of play is is legitimate. So, I think it's a, a real win-win for everyone.
3: Yeah. You got those bigger bases and the attempt to steal and Wilson Contreras throws somebody out, which was a great start to the season. And then he gets hit and uh, he's in the lineup today, catching what a sigh of relief that must be for everybody. Your prized acquisition in the off season's is okay. He's a big part of this.
6: Oh my gosh. Yeah. Thursday night was a bit sleepless, um, to know exactly what we had there. And and so for him to be back in that lineup is, is super encouraging and, uh, yeah, you know, really good news for all of us.
3: <laughs> no doubt about it. Hey, thanks, as always, for doing this. Appreciate the time. Enjoy the game today. We'll see you over there at the ballpark, Cardinals and Blue Jays at 115.
6: Sounds good. Thanks, Tommy.
3: There is John Moselock, Cardinals president of baseball operations, getting ready for a ball game today. Thanks to Ollie Marmel and to John Moselock for joining us on these Sundays. When we come back, we'll circle back to the St. Louis Blues and the Battlehawks and wrap up everything we've talked about here today we've had Lutz fan and steel we've had dan reardon talking masters we're kmox we're at cardinals nation inside ballpark village this is gray bar sports on a sunday morning back after this once again
2: from the stiefel financial sports studio tom Ackerman.
3: Back with you at Cardinals Nation inside Ballpark Village, getting closer to the start of the Cardinals and the Blue Jays here on KMOX. Yesterday, the Blues, they looked a little frustrated. It's getting towards the end. They're not going to make the playoffs, and they were blown out yesterday by the Nashville Predators. Final was 6-1. to one. This was not a Jordan Bennington game. This was Thomas Grice in net for the Blues, and he gave up six goals. That was just part of the story. There was a point when Craig Berube and Jordan Cairo were yelling at each other on the bench. Tempers flaring as things are nearing the end of this season. Let's let then uh, both of them kind of downplayed it. So let's let Craig Berube discuss things with the media here following the game yesterday.
7: recently? Yeah, it <laughs> yeah, wasn't a good game right from the get-go. Um, you know, second period, we had some opportunities in the power play and,
8: you know, did some good things. Um, but other than that, it was not very good power play the particular anything you noticed I mean, you mentioned sloppy the other night is it just more of that they had some good looks tonight um but overall uh, for me it's just
7: it's it's not connected like it should be and um too slow just puck moving slow and thought process slow not not shooting you know just things like that slow and The shorthanded goal giving up is that just kind of a, mo- a momentum killer it's tough it's a tough one to give up for sure um the way I look at it is, you know, we should be back on it, defend it. With Skander, do you have an update
8: on him? He's out. Uh, I'm not sure how long. Lower body. Is it just on that that block shot in the second period? Yeah. Okay. Uh, and the the PK we've talked about it a lot th- this week. Um, same sort of things popping up again. Well. Um, yeah, we, the one guy gets a stick on the tip, the
7: first one. And the last one there, just is kind of a tough play, a bad bounce, in my opinion.
8: Goes off our guy and in the net. At the end of the second period, uh, there's the exchange between you and Kyrou. Can you just explain That's what part happened? of the game. That's between us. All right.
3: All right, between us, he said. He shut that down pretty quickly. Let's get Kyrou's perspective on what happened out there. Here's Jordan Kairou visiting with reporters. Again, this is Blue Note Productions. Have you guys
8: have been playing recently? Just kind of disappointment uh, today? With mm-hmm. that? Yeah, I mean, I think we've been playing pretty good lately. You know, today we just came out kind of slow and, and we just didn't really get to our game at all today. How do you look at the, the way the power play was today? That yeah, wasn't good enough. Where do you find improvements? Uh, we just need to be harder. We just, I think we need to, you know, try to make our passes a little cleaner and and you know, try to move the puck a bit quicker and then support each other more. And then on, on the shorthanded goal, obviously you're back checking there. What can you just take us through what you're what you're seeing on that play? I'm just trying to stop the puck I can without getting a penalty. And in the second period, we saw there's a little change between you and Chief. Can you just, just explain what happened there? Um yeah, I mean, just a little heated argument. That's all it really is. Nothing else. What, what if, what's kind of the communication with you guys the last week? I mean, I think he mentioned the thirteen minutes the other night, um and didn't play towards the end of the third period. What's kind of been that like to, with him this week? Um, you know, we keep each other honest, and that's it. Just got to go out there and play. Thanks, All
3: right, so there's Jordan Cairo. So, again, <laughs> again, the, any of the Berube-Cairo talk, that's a walk-off question. So just be prepared. That's why a reporter will save that for a little bit later because, you know, you're not going to come out and be like, hey, why'd you in- – Why'd you and Chief uh, yell at each other? I mean, it, you know, it's a touchy, personal thing. So a couple of walk-offs there after Barubi and Cairo's question-and-answer sessions with reporters with regard to the yelling back and forth. It's going to happen. It's going to happen late in the year. The Blues, again, are not going to make the playoffs. They lost 6-1. to They play the Bruins today. I see a couple of Bruins fans here at Cardinals Nation in this packed house. Uh, they're getting ready. They're celebrating a trip to the postseason. But the Blues won the cup. Don't forget it now. Don't forget it. The Blues won the Cup, and it wasn't that long ago. And I do think that this team is a move or two away from being interesting here in this offseason. But with this current team, they're going to have to be much better defensively. You heard Craig Berube talk about Scandella and in that injury. That's a tough year for Scandella if this is going to be it. A lower body injury after a blocked shot. Remember, he had offseason hip surgery he was slow to come back because of that surgery he wasn't able to come back right away same with scott perunovich who had uh, offseason surgery And, and when these two are missing the blues did not have depth defensively bottom line that was a tough way to start a season i believe they tried to tough it out they got on that incredible win streak but not a consistent hockey team And in the end, this is where they are. They are on the outside looking into the playoffs. They had to sell off pieces, and now they try to reload and get it back together. And it's a very proud hockey franchise that is not going to do anything more than capture the moment because the fans are loyal, and they're going to try to build this thing as soon as possible while the fans are right on top of them because they are. They're not going to do anything to keep those turnstiles from humming. I'm certain of that. In fact, let me bring in one more player. This is Braden Shen. Let's get some of his thoughts. Shenner after a 6-1 loss to Nashville
7: yesterday. Today, I think you know I don't think we, we had our, uh, uh, even close to our best game and turned over pucks and lost battles and um, probably took a team uh, you know lightly
8: that's fighting for the playoff life. So uh, that's what happens when uh, you don't show up. When you look at the special teams today, what do you, where do you kind of look for improvement?
7: Everywhere. <laughs> Um, you know, PK's got to get back here for the next uh, six or seven games or whatever you have left just to, uh, you know, kill off some penalties. You're giving, uh, giving up way too many goals right now, and uh, same thing with PP, just execution, uh, quicker, sharper, uh, more urgency, and, and, you know, you can't be uh, uh, not scoring on the power play and giving up
8: uh, that many on the PK. Is there something in particular you're noticing in the last four games, whether it's bad reads or aggressiveness? Yes. Or, um you know, maybe uh,
7: could be more aggressive, uh, or maybe sometimes we're aggressive at the wrong times, and, and uh, you know we're getting beaten passes and um, or shots. Or you know, obviously they're they're getting goals like at the end there where they're where they're going in. It's not just uh, one particular play, right? So um, yeah, we'll will be better tomorrow. Um, you know, against Boston, we know we have to be. That's a good team. That uh, if you're not ready to play,
8: uh, you'll know, be even worse than uh, today. So can a day like today be just more frustrating? Just I mean, I know we talked about the, the disappointment, but is it frustrating as well, or in what uh, kind of what regard? Like, just uh, well. I mean, I guess at the end of the second period, I don't know if you saw with, with Chief and, and Cairo, and I feels like there was some frustration there.
7: Yeah, I mean, that's that's between Chief and Cairo. I'm not gonna elaborate on on uh, that or whatever, but uh, we just know uh, as a team we we have to play better and, and um, uh, play better in front of our goalies and. Um, uh, you know, show up the last uh, six or seven games here.
3: Good. Yes. And There's another walk-off. The, the, the walk-off question again. But, you know, that it is necessary to ask. It's got to be asked uh, if it is is that visible on the bench that you've got Cairo and Barubi jawing at each other. But everybody kind of played it off as being personal and part of the game and on they go. The Blues and the Boston Bruins this afternoon at 2.30 – at Enterprise Center. Meantime, the St. Louis Battle Hawks are going to get started here in just over an hour. They're playing down in Houston, not at NRG Stadium, which the Final Four is taking place, but at the University of Houston Stadium. They're going to be taking on the Houston Roughnecks for the second time. Both of those teams are 2-2. and two. Battle Hawks finish their road schedule with a visit in Houston to face the XFL South Division-leading Houston Roughnecks. Battlehawks have a league-high three road victories on the season. They will join San Antonio as the only XFL teams to have already played all five of their scheduled regular season road games. Now, they'll be playing a team and completing a regular season schedule with three straight home games beginning with Vegas on Saturday, April 8th at the Dome. So here in the month of April, after this road game, The Battle Hawks will finish out their schedule with three straight home games. Plan your schedule accordingly and snap up those tickets. This is already the seventh game of the season for the St. Louis Battle Hawks. Here at Busch Stadium, Cardinals and Toronto Blue Jays, that's exciting, no doubt. There will be a lot of fans here. And we are closing in on two months away from the NASCAR race at Worldwide Technology Raceway nascar coming to worldwide technology raceway it will happen on june 4th the nascar cup series It's not the only thing that will happen is there will be a lot going on with regard to the trucks they'll be running here at worldwide technology raceway just five minutes from the arch Uh, there's going to be a cup practice on saturday qualifying the Toyota 200 Craftsman Truck Series, all on Saturday. The first ever JJK 5K, Jackie joyner Kersey 5K will be on the Oval on Saturday, and then a concert. Yes, there are concerts happening throughout the weekend at Worldwide Technology Raceway. Noticing the announcement yesterday, and again, from my partnership with Worldwide Technology Raceway, it's been nice to know what's going on behind the scenes, and Many, many workers who are making this happen. They sold out the race last year, partly because of the Confluence Festival lineup that was announced with uh, all of those great artists there last year. Here's the lineup this year Dirks Bentley, Florida, Brothers Osborne, Brittany Spencer, Bailey Zimmerman, who is an up and coming country artist, and much more. Florida is a five time Grammy nominee. American rapper and singer, uh, will be performing on Saturday after all of that activity at the track, the qualifying, the trucks race, the JJK 5K. On Sunday, Brothers Osborne, American country music duo, and Bailey Zimmerman will be performing as well as the big performer late that night will be Dirks Bentley following the race with the cup race. So Bailey Zimmerman, Brothers Osborne, and Dirks Bentley all performing on Sunday at Worldwide Technology Raceway. That is the Confluence Music Festival lineup that was announced just this past week by David Stewart and all the folks at Worldwide Technology and Curtis Francois, the owner and CEO of Worldwide Technology Raceway that is going to move some tickets too. So I'd go to Worldwide Technology Raceway's website, wwtraceway.com, and grab some tickets for NASCAR because it is going to sell rather quickly. Here at Busch Stadium, tickets available for today's game as the Cardinals take on the Blue Jays. If you want to try to snag one before they come close to selling out, they are going to have another big crowd here today. They had a huge one on Thursday for opening day. Big crowd for a Saturday and Sunday as well. This weekend, it's the Cardinals and the Blue Jays. We told you that the big news is Wilson Contreras is back in the lineup. He is behind the plate catching and batting fifth today. Jordan Montgomery will be his pitcher. The Cardinals and the Jays going today and a number of teams playing across Major League Baseball on this Sunday afternoon. Joe Pott is going to have the pregame at the top at 12:20. He will go to network pre. We'll hear from him after the noon news. We have much to come on KMOX today. Cardinal Baseball against Toronto. Postgame coverage to follow from Inside the Ballpark with Joe. John Rooney, Ricky Horton, Mike Claiborne, and Jim Jackson have the broadcast in very short time. Thanks for joining us on Graybar Sports on a Sunday morning from Ballpark
0: Village. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage.